Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term requires broadband. Further terms apply. At Zurich Pensions, we believe small actions can have great impact, like attention to detail that leads to great numbers. 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21 and 22. Years Brokers Ireland awarded us investment excellence. Visit Zurich.ie or talk to a financial broker about topping up your pension. Zurich Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have another action-packed show lined up for you today. In just a moment I'll talk to James O'Connor as we look back on Waterford's win over Cork in yesterday's All-Ireland Hurling semi-final. But first I'm joined in studio by Colm Keyes of the Irish Independent, Vincent Hogan of the Irish Independent, Rory O'Connor of Rory's Stories and Ursula Jacob, former Wexford Camogie player. Colin, I guess we'll start with the man of the moment, Austin Gleeson. I, I know he didn't win man of the match, but pretty much everything in those last 15, 20 minutes revolved around him. He obviously scored that unbelievable solo goal, but also was involved in that bit of indiscipline at the start. And I liked your comparison about you know, Roy Keane dragging Manchester United to the 1999 European Cup final, because Austin did kind of put his team on his back at the end, even though there was that shadow hanging over him. Yeah, that was a shadow. Turned the game in in Waterford's favour no question because his his steal and Christopher Joyce was the turning point in the game at that point you would you would have thought this game is going away from Waterford two points two points down and his steal and the pinpoint accuracy of his pass and then what he did with the with the goal we're living in an era of just superb individual brilliant hurlers we saw what Joe Canning did last week and then for Austin to take off on that run I think if he hadn't scored, he'd have been pilloried in Waterford for not letting that ball out to Brick Walsh, who's on a who's on a goal-scoring run at the moment. But yes, he played under a shadow, and there's no doubt he knew what he had done in the first half, and it didn't weigh in his mind clearly. And you're right, he did drag them on his back, all together with Jamie Barron, Dara Fives, and so many other players. But he provided the spark for them to go and win that game. But as you said, there's a shadow there and uh, we were talking off air there on the the permutations of as to how he might get off. I think it is pretty clear cut what he did. Uh, it certainly uh, meets any standard of what the rule uh, states. Uh, it looked deliberate to me. He closed his fist, but there are other mitigating factors that may come into play. The ref possibly might have said I've dealt with this, I, I saw it, but maybe I didn't see the severity of it. That is a possibility. And then the other factors which would never be mentioned are Waterford are already probably a man down in Conor Gleeson. Uh, the investigating body last week overlooked Adrian Tuhi and decided there wasn't enough in that. Uh, there could be a perceived imbalance of justice there. Uh, also, they've been down the road with, with Tyg de Burka too. So there are other factors at play, but if you take this 
in isolation, it looks like he deliberately pulled Luke Meads Hurley and will face a charge. Yeah, Vincent, where did this crime rave of pulling helmets come from? Maybe I'm just misremembering things, but I don't recall in seasons past, every time there was a melee, someone just going up and grabbing someone's helmet. Is Why is it like a new thing this summer or, or in vogue for people? <laughs> I'm not sure, Will. It's, it's extraordinary, certainly in the context of the build-up to yesterday's game that Austin would do it. And, you know, just looking at it from a distance, it looked such a, a casual gesture on his behalf. Now, when you put that into context, that right up to the early hours of last Friday morning, Waterford were trying to get Tag de Burka available for yesterday's game, that Austin would do it. I, I mean, I would look at the Conor Gleeson incident and say, yeah, it was a moment of madness, but probably just the, the red mist coming down for some thing that happened with Patrick Horgan. I don't know what, what Patrick did, but obviously Conor Gleeson reacted to it. And you can almost forgive someone doing that in the heat of battle. I mean, the one thing that we saw from Waterford yesterday was they understood that we can talk about systems till the cows come home, but Waterford understood yesterday they had to up the aggression rate. They didn't do that against, against Cork in, in, in June. In fact, I thought there was a kind of a loss of nerve, even tactically, by Derek in, in June, where he abandoned the sweeper system in the first half, and they looked really wide open at times. Everything about Waterford yesterday was belief in ourselves, belief in a system, and belief in our own aggression and our own physicality to get the job done. So I would look at the Conor Gleeson incident, <clears throat> and when you're ratcheted that high and something happens, even though you know at that point you're already in the All-Ireland final, it's a moment of madness, you can understand it. The Austin one, I can't understand it. I cannot understand it in the context of there's been so much talk in the last couple of weeks about the pulling of helmets. And it was the casual appearance with which he did it, pulling Luke Meek's helmet off, inexplicable. Yeah, Rory, we were kind of talking off air that Austin maybe falls into that category, maybe a bit of a dear McConnell, that he's an unbelievable, skillful player. But there's that maybe small bit of, maybe not madness, but you know, a bit of that Eric Hanton thing where he is liable maybe to, to do things that other players wouldn't do. Yeah, like just what Vincent said there. I'm just trying to get my head around it still. Like, like it wasn't even aggressive how he, how he pulled the helm off. You could see if... You know, he was going away and, and his hurl was being held and he'd, and he'd reefed hammer, but it was it was, even, it was kind of slick how he'd done it. Like, he, he, I don't know how he, he looked was, cool it was doing well it. done. Like, you know what I mean? He nice and casually took it off and like, it was just, like, it's just very hard to, to understand what he was thinking, especially, I'm sure, in the camp, Ty DeBorka stood up and says, listen, lads, like, I apologise or whatever, blah, blah, blah. If, if he was in the wrong, if they, if, they, if they know he knew he was in the wrong and that umpire was, or linesman was right that time, so it was obviously fresh in the training camp about pulling helmets and then for Ozzy to do that is just... And then Conor Gleeson as well. Like, I think that was just as bad. Like, as you said, right, we're, it was seven or eight points up here, games over, turn around. It wasn't even a wild pull. It was a little flick of, across the knee. It was just scandalous. Like, I'd be very disappointed with him as well. But with Ozzy, like, you just see that he, he, he rose. And like Colm said, the Roy Keane factor... When everyone watching the game was like, oh, this is the simplest goal ever. just going to hand pass the ball over goal. But he actually had the, the balls and, and fooled everyone. Everyone watching the game was saying, oh, he's going to lay it off, easy goal, and flicked it into that. And that's the class he has. But personally, you know, I'd love to see him in the All-Ireland final, but it's very, very hard to, to see how he's going to get away with it, especially when his Sunday game had, you know, really good footage of it. And it's, it's very straightforward, to be honest. Yeah, Ursula, and on, on the other Gleeson, like, I know you've played in a lot of big games yourself. If you were 10 points up in an Ireland semi-final, and if I gave you two scenarios, you're getting a bit of stick off your marker. You can either smile, think about your upcoming final, or wildly pull on your opposing number and get sent off. 
it's it's for Derek McGrath after what watched that. That's his key man marker now, who's probably going to be missing. Yeah, and like up to this stage, like Connor has had such a great season, you know. So it's going to be very disappointing, and I'm sure Connor will know himself what he did was just you know a bit unexplainable because you know as you said they were well in control. There were you know there was only what a minute or two left, and there were nine or ten points up, and you know he's going to be so disappointed with himself. He'll know it straight away that you know it was just a silly you know a flick of the hurl you know and he really shouldn't have done it because you know in a game you're always going to have people you know trying to annoy you or irritate you or whatever and it's about controlling yourself and controlling what's going on and I suppose maybe like the discipline factor within Watford maybe hasn't been up to the standards that Derek McGrath will be looking for either because you know up to this stage we've had what three incidents from Watford players involved with with the helmet and that's not good enough really because you know they should know better they're inter-county senior hurlers at the end of the day and they know what's at stake you know they were they're wanting to get to an All Ireland final and win win it like you know they're not wanting to have you know it's a pity if if someone like Conor Gleeson Austin Gleeson are going to miss the the All Ireland final but unfortunately if you if you do take you know an action like that you 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 just can't uh, you know make up for it. Yeah, we're joined on the line as well by Jamesy O'Connor, Claire Legend. Jamesy, Vincent and Nurse are there kind of making the point that Waterford set their stall out to be very, very aggressive. It kind of, even on the sideline, Derek McGrath it was living every ball. He was very animated. Dan Shannon was obviously running in. It seemed to spill into their team itself with a couple of incidents of indiscipline that really kind of cast a shadow over their victory. I, I suppose. I mean, listen, there's no getting away, you know, what happened, happened. Um, but certainly back in June, you know, they were very, very passive. Derek was passive on the line. You know, all the aggression, all the physicality came from came from Cork. You know, Bill Cooper put in a massive hit on Kevin Moore in the second half, turned him over. Lahan put the ball over the bar and the Cork supporters around me were, you know, two feet into the air. Um, you know, in their first half, I think Christopher Joyce again planted brick and took a card for it. And I think Watford were determined that, listen, you know, they were the ones that were going to be aggressive and physical physical yesterday. And and, and that's that's part of their team. They're a big, strong, physical team. Um just the two incidents. I mean, Conor Gleeson, I'd say the second he did it, he said, he's all mind, what, what am I after doing here? Um, but like there was, you know, you really feel for him because there was nothing in it. I mean, if the referee had seen it himself, did he really hurt Pat Horgan? You know, might he have, you know, in the context of the situation, two minutes left, you know, it was reactionary, you know, he's going to miss the final, might he have doled out a yellow card? But the lines from who is also an inter-county referee brings it to your attention and says he's struck, well, then he's left with no option. And, you know, as Ursula said, he is a massive loss to Watford because he has been really effective in terms of, you know, man-marking. He's, you know, he's a tight marker. He's pacey. He's wiry. He's he's a guy you wouldn't particularly want to spend 70 minutes on. In relation to Austin, I think Vincent summed it up perfectly. It was just kind of casual. Um, and again, the, the one thing I would say is that when you... You know, when you slow it down and, and play it in slow motion, it looks terrible. Um, live in the heat of the moment, it doesn't actually look that bad. It, it, it's not that far from what Adrian Tuyas did last week. But he's going to have a very, very uncomfortable um, you know, couple of days as this thing plays out. And it's, it really does leave us as a, a, a cast of Paul over what should have been a really, really great day for Waterford Hurling. Well, we'll move on from helmets to the men who actually wear them. Uh, Colm, Derek got a lot of his matchups right on the day. You know, Conor Gleeson, you know, Gave Conor Lahan a very tough time. Brick Walsh, as well as scoring the goal, kind of blunted Mark Coleman's influence, who'd been very influential up to now. Uh, so, Derek, do you think he won the sideline battle? Was that kind of one of the key areas where Waterford got on top? I think he probably did. And you mentioned Brick. Uh, he did very much what he did in the quarterfinal to Willie Deverux as well. He just physically 
impose himself on him. And in those close exchanges, I don't think there's any hurler quite like Brick Walsh to, to stand his ground and win ball and win freeze and lay off ball. And now he's added a goal-scoring touch with a second goal, one against Kilkenny, one against Cork in the same season. And this man is 34 years of age and he's playing since 2003. And he's played 69 consecutive championship matches for for Waterford. And given the level of physicality that's involved in his game, those exchanges, that's an incredible sequence of championship games to put together. And yesterday, for the duration of time that he was on, he just provided so much. So, yes, to lock up and tie up a 20-year-old who has been so good this year uh, was obviously very astute, but he had been playing right half forward for, for a lot of the year anyway. But putting Conor Gleeson on Conor Lehan, he really blunted him. Conor Lehan was uh, restricted to two points. The one man that got away from them was Patrick Horgan, who had one of his best ever games, and he had chained fives in his slipstream for a long time. And James mentioned uh, Bill Cooper's hit on Kevin Moran in the Munster semi-final. Well, that was very much reversed yesterday, and Kevin Moran got on the front foot very early. And he dominated that exchange, just as Jamie Barron did against Dara Fitzgibbon as well, until Fitzgibbon got going for a stretch in the second half. But by and large, Waterford got all their, their matchups right. And the seamless transition from Tyg de Burka to uh, Dara Fives was pivotal for Waterford because Dara just slotted in there. The only change, as far as I could see, was the colour of the helmet because... Dara Fives just did what Tyg de Burka has been doing. And maybe even to a higher standard, he was so good yesterday. His two catches at the end, his interceptions, the quality of his clearances, and he got up to score a point. And he gave Barry Coughlin such protection uh, with Seamus Harden, who's a very physical player himself and a great ball winner. But his influence was completely blunted by the system. And if there was ever a day for Waterford to play that system. And they've come under fire within the county as well for how they play and how they roll it out. I was speaking to Stephen Frampton last week and he suggested that the, the county, even though they're in a third All-Ireland semi-final in a row, are probably split 50-50 over the way Waterford play. Well, I wonder last night what the other 50% think of the style of play that has been reimposed uh, for the latter end of, 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 of this championship campaign. I wonder how they think now, because they're in an All-Ireland all final and it has clearly worked and it is clearly the system that suits them best. So from that point of view, Derek McGrath has restored everything that was good about this team and put them on the front foot. Yeah, but that's an interesting point Colin makes with the 50-50 split, or certainly before this game. But what do you make of that, that the team maybe hasn't fully got behind Derek? Because the team in the uh, in the noughties was incredibly exciting to watch. Brick was obviously a part of it, but they ultimately couldn't get it done on the big day. Derek is getting them closer and closer and closer, yet maybe still isn't getting a buy-in from everyone. Yeah, it's, it's pretty extraordinary, really. I, I think when you look at the team of the noughties, they had such big personalities, the Dan Shanahan's, the Paul Flynn's, the John Milan's, the Owen Kelly's. They were such extrovert hurlers that I, I don't think it would have made sense to try and contain them into a system. But Derek McGrath, when he took the job four years ago, he, he looked at what he had and he, he cut his cloth to suit that. And I think it is extraordinary when you think that the pressure at home in Waterford and the negativity towards the team in Waterford has been such that he, I think he lost his nerve in June by abandoning it briefly. And, and when, when they abandoned it in that first half against Cork, they looked open. They looked really vulnerable. 
what we saw yesterday is they have got this system to a fine art now. And I think Colm is absolutely right. Dara Five stepped in. Dara Five actually played a lot of the early league games when Tiger de Borca wasn't available. So he was very familiar with that sweeper system. And what you need in the sweeper is an intelligent reader of space, but also a good ball player, a good deliverer of the ball. And Dara Fives did that absolutely brilliantly yesterday. But going back to Brick, what a story he's become. I mean, we saw the trouble he gave Wexford in the quarterfinal. It was only when Liam Ryan came out and went on him that Wexford got any kind of a handle on Brick. And yesterday, once Shane Bennett hit that ball across and he had just, Brick had taken those few steps away from Mark Coleman and Shane Bennett's ball was absolutely on the money, just looped up over Coleman's head. And you could see Coleman was getting really frustrated on the, the, this physical presence of a man. That Coleman has been one of the stories of the summer. In fact, I, I remember watching him coming in after the day of the Munster final against Clare and he had the helmet off and maybe I'm showing my age here, but he looked <laughs> about 12 years old to me. And he has been just wonderful to watch. But yesterday, Derek got his matchups right and he also proved a point. And it's, it's extraordinary when you think of, look at the role of honour, the All-Ireland role of honour, the Munster role of honour that Waterford could, people could be bellyaching about the style of hurling. Because yesterday we saw a system worked to a tee. Now, there's no question Damien Cahalan's second yellow was crucial because suddenly you're playing against that sweeper system and you're a man down. You have a big, big problem on your hands. And the attack certainly opened up as well once uh, Damien Cahalan went off. There was so much room for them to attack. Absolutely, because you're, now you've got defenders wondering, do I st- st- stick or, or go? And we saw that brilliant ball from Austin Gleeson over for Jamie Barron's goal and, and then Gleeson's goal. And we talk about genius and we talk about, I, I'd say, one of the reasons Derek McGrath's no hair is looking at players like Austin Gleeson. But my God, the, the genius with which he, he just saw the goal the moment he got that ball. And you're screaming at him if you're a Waterford supporter. Brick is on your right. The defenders have come to you. Leave it off. And it's an easy goal for Brick. But... There's a boldness, if you like. That's the only word I can think of with Austin Gleeson. And he knew he could get the goal himself. And, you know, it's, it's like that incident with Luke, Meag, with Luke Mead never happened in his mind. He was just going for, for glory. Yeah, Rory swerves, sidesteps, dummies, feints. It had it all. Yeah, he, yeah he, he was that, I suppose, head trauma going for He probably didn't even see on his right hand side but he was that like I'm, I don't even care if you're there now I can just see that net rattling and that's it but even with, going back to to Brick there like it's going to be great like in three this is what I love about this year's championship in three weeks time either the Brick Walsh or Joe Canning are going to have an All-Ireland medal so at least that's a bit of justification for either one of the two great Warriors over the last kind of 10 to 12 years Um Back to the game, I thought they'd done a serious number on Nash's puckouts, and they're key. Like Nash is like Cluxton, if you want to call it hurling, he just pings ball everybody. He, any bit of space was dominated by the Waterford player. He couldn't get going, um, and we we can't talk about the game without mentioning the save that Anthony Nash made. I, that's one of the best saves I've ever seen. Can you recall any better over the years than that? Like. Just I, I would the, say the goalkeeper would say it was at, at a height that would suit a goalkeeper, though, I'd say, Rory. Yeah, know? well, I, I, I get you, but it's just the strength in his, in his iron, his right arm, to be able to stick the curl out. And, and, you know, and that was coming at serious pace. But I suppose it, it was ideal height. It's just the way it out. I just thought it was top class. Um, going into the final now, it really is just going to be so exciting. Whoever wins, it's going to be, as I said, unbelievable celebration now. But I just think... If Austin Gleeson, more like not there, and Conor Gleeson, I'd have to go towards a Galway win, definitely. Like in the physicality as well, it's going to be a fairly, you know, there'd be a lot of skin flying in this final. Because we talked about Galway, how big and strong they are. 
and this Warren team with the like a brick Walsh their physicality it's, it's just going to be some final like the Waterford Kilkenny qualifier played out very very similar to yesterday's game albeit it was an extra time when the bench really made the Waterford bench really made the impact with those runners Tommy Ryan and Brian O'Halloran and also the physical imposing presence of of Maris Shanahan and Colin Dunford and it's almost by rota that these subs are coming in off the bench and it's preordained that they come in almost at a certain time and in a certain sequence as well and it, it worked for them against Kilkenny perfectly particularly in extra time but it really worked yesterday when after Damien Cahillan uh, was sent off that the likes of Ryan and O'Halloran and Dunford who created the second Jamie Barron goal were able to sprint through at pace through that through those gaps and really exploit them and uh that's pretty much designed by Derek to work at that particular time, and it's had it's taken effect twice now. The bench, the bench has been critical. The bench has been critical for Waterford. It worked really well, and I thought that that was a significant upper hand that they had on Cork, who only introduced three substitutes, and by and large, apart from Luke O'Farrell's point, those substitutes did not really have an impact. Yeah, James, the one thing that struck me about last weekend's semi-final between Tipperary and Galway was that. Although people were kind of talking about tip strength and depth during the league, they only ended up using two subs on the day, whereas Waterford seemed to have kind of maybe even quietly gone about building one of the strongest panels in the country. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a valid point. And I mean, midway through the league, that, that seemed to be the case, that, that Michael Ryan certainly had a stronger hand, um, or at least that's the way it seemed, but it proved to be otherwise. And, you know, really the, 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 the depth that we thought was in tip panel wasn't there. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I think really it's a, it's an attack. He's got that, um, you know, those 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 weapons and those options because Patrick Hearn, we all know how, how good he is. It's just he doesn't seem to have any form or any confidence at the moment. Colin Dunford has pace. He might very well come into form in the next few weeks. Brian O'Halloran, Tommy Ryan have been a difference. And obviously there's, there's Morris. So uh, Derek has options. And Shane Bennett in, in that kind of a spearhead of the attack role, you know, runs himself into the ground. Um, and makes way in 50 minutes. And, you know, Morris has got that ability supposed to come in and get, and get to the pace of the game. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, they, they know exactly what they're what they're about at the moment. And, you know, it's they're, they're in a good place. And Galway, you know, I think Michal who might have felt that, listen, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to bully Cork. And, you know, I think secretly Galway might have felt that it was Cork they were going to be facing. Um, I think Watford would present a totally different set of headaches and it'll be, a, 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 if anything, a stiffer challenge for, for Galway to overcome. Yeah, we'll get your thoughts on the final in just a second. But Ursula, just a, a word on Cork first because they have an incredible season even though yesterday didn't go their way. They're still a very young team like Vincent remarked there about Mark Coleman looking about 12 but he's still only very young anyway even if he isn't 12. What did you make of maybe their whole season and they surely will be able to kick on from this. That's it. Look, they're going to take massive confidence from this year. You know, they, they won the Munster title. They came through extremely tough games, you know, against Tip Watford. Um, and, you know, they're going to take confidence from it. You know, they're obviously going to be disappointed with how it turned out yesterday. They know that maybe, you know, they had their chances. Maybe the sending off played a part in it. But, you know, looking back, you know, it has been a good year, you know, in terms of their minors are in the final. You know, their uh, under-21s were doing well. So, you know, they know that they can build on this year. 
year. They've got great talent. Uh, they've great versatility. And it was nice to see the likes of Patrick Horgan stepping up, you know, having uh, a, a great day out. And, you know, Conor Lahan, you know, has had a great year. And, you know, if they can build on, you know, getting the good blend of mixing experience, I've no doubt they'll be, you know, in contention, um, you know, next year again. But, like, you know, they'll look back 12 months ago, look where they were, and they'll see that there, is, there has been an improvement. Obviously, their aim was to get to the final yesterday. But, you know, that's the, the that's what it comes down to in an All-Ireland semi-final. Maybe one or two chances that maybe didn't go their way. Well, Cork fans won't be happy with missing out in the final. But for the rest of us, it's the first final since 96 without one of the big three being in it. Galway or Waterford. So one drought will be over. Vincent, have you been kind of sculpting an intro for the All-Ireland final win for Waterford and Galway for years that you can finally dust off? No, because you haven't a clue what's going to happen, really. You know, And, and, and I think James, he touched on the, the, the power coming off the bench potentially that Waterford have. Like Patrick Curran, he, he must be struggling for form because himself and Stephen Bennett, for example, were the two of the star forwards of the Under-21 All-Ireland win last year. Uh, an All-Ireland win that was defined by goal scoring. They were just devastating, you know, all-out attack and scoring goals for fun. Stephen Bennett hasn't been seen, really. Patrick Curran virtually hasn't been seen. Morris coming in for 20-minute cameos. They have that power and attack. And when the game opens up, you kind of feel that they could give Galway a lot of awkward problems. Whereas if it was Cork, I think Galway would have been, I would agree with James, yeah, I, I think Galway would have been more comfortable with that with that equation ahead of them. Now, it's it's got to be playing in their minds. And, and I know it's kind of largely irrelevant that, you know, in 10 championship meetings, they've never beaten Waterford. But there has to be a little kernel of doubt at the back of their minds that this is maybe just the opposition they wouldn't have chosen. Yeah, Colin, did the manner of Waterford's win yesterday maybe change your mind? Because I think you said earlier when you appeared in the podcast that Galway were maybe your pick this year from a long way out. So did yesterday do anything maybe to put some doubts? No, uh, I still think Galway, uh, I think Galway are very well placed to win to win this game. Uh, I don't think, I, accepting that Waterford are a physical strong team, I think Galway in that respect just go that bit further. Uh, in terms of the aerial dominance that they can they can impose on teams, which won't be as pronounced against Waterford, but they are big men who can hurl. And I think there were spells last week where Connor Cooney and Joseph Cooney really showed, you know, what they are what they are capable as a, of a, as an attacking force. And also Connor Cooney, I think the, I think they have the forwards to really. And I thought that about Cork too, but I really think Galway have the forwards in form uh, to take this this final. Uh, I think they, there's a, a lot in their favour, size, momentum, and also at the back, they have now fixed down two problem areas for so long, uh, full-back and centre-back, and I think Garoud McInerney and Dahi Burke bring that, again, that physical size and presence to, to those positions. And uh, I'm not so sure that the record has any real relevance either, but uh, Waterford have been, in their last two All-Ireland quarterfinals when they met Waterford, have been able to turn around after bad defeats in Munster and, and take Galway. I'm not sure of the relevance of that, uh, but the critical game for them this year was the last league match, the quarter All-Ireland quarterfinal in, in Pierce Stadium, where uh, Galway overturned a, a big deficit where Derek McGrath ran in, in, in substitute so many replacements, and uh, they've picked up momentum since then. They haven't stopped. And James, we also have a bit of added interest that David Burke gave an interview a few weeks ago saying he didn't think a sweeper system could win in All-Ireland, so it'll be the ultimate test of his uh, of his opinion. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I suppose. Uh, you know, Galway have, have had that experience of playing, obviously, Wexford in the Leinster final. They, they, they were able to deal with it pretty comfortably. And, you know, last year's quarterfinal win over Clare, you know, Aidan Hart, you know, was man of the match probably and, and, and you know, hoovered up the world of ball. So he, he'll probably fill into that role, um, assuming it pans out that way in the final. But I think it's a 50-50 game because, you know, Colm goes back to that game in Salt Hill. That was practically a, a second string Waterford side and they were 10 points up at one stage in the game they, they probably didn't intend or particularly have any interest in, in, in winning which I know is a strange thing to say but uh, but, but that seemed to be the case and uh, I listen I, I think there's you know we, we, we all probably need to take stock and, and, and reflect on this and the type of matchups that are likely to occur but what a final we have a prospect and uh, you know regardless of who wins it you know it, it's going to be you know, some September and, and, and you know, for, for the winning county and there'll be huge hype and build up in both counties and I think that's something really to savour in the months ahead or the weeks ahead. Yeah, Rory, we spent a lot of this season talking about the potential celebrations in Mayo if they win Sam Maguire. Waterford and Galway will be pretty close behind in the Liam McCarthy. Where would you rather be in the early September after the final? Uh, I suppose the middle of our square with six cans of Dutch Galway will be going crack now. <laughs> We'll be good out of banter, but um, now I, I think uh, I agree with um, Colm. Now I think Galway seem to be a team on a mission all year. They've just been so good, and for like for the for the, the physicality that they have, you, you rarely see men that big that are so good, you know, with the stick in hand. So I just think that. Yeah, I think it is their year. Especially Ozzy Gleeson now gone. Like if he's back, you know, if he gets away, you know, obviously it's going to be a huge plus. But I think the Galway are just. They've looked looked the team a long way out, and I think getting over Tipperary that would have been my fear from Galway if, if this Tipperary team can click and find the form they found last year, but they didn't, and they got over them. So I was looking that whoever won yesterday, Waterford or Cork, I was fancying Galway all the day. So I think it's going to be air square with a, a Craig and Dutch goal. Yeah, come at the Monday after all Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll actually just move on to the Camogie now, looking ahead to the semi-finals, Ursula. I suppose one of the big stories this year have been Dublin getting to that semi-final under David Herity. They obviously beat Wexford in the quarter-final. That was a big shock. What did you make of the Dublin team? Do they have any chance maybe of going a bit further? Yeah, well, look, it was a massive win they had over Wexford in the quarter-final. Um, I suppose David Herity has kind of brought a, a new approach to the Dublin setup, and he's brought a kind of professional, edgy approach to it. Uh, the girls themselves, you know, they've got great players all around the team. They're going to be obviously up against it against Kilkenny who are the, the reigning champions and they're going to be looking to get back to Crow Park in September but look I'd give them a chance um, you know they're obviously uh, as I said going to be up against it but they've great uh, athletic players around the field like Faye McCarthy who was player of the match the last day in the goal you know she can score 60-70 metres out with long range freeze so that's something that Dublin are going to be hopefully uh, looking to um, push forward for the game on Saturday and then I suppose they've got a very strong midfield pairing of Miriam too me and Emer McCarthy. So, um, you know, Dublin have their players, but I'd still feel that Kilkenny will will be that bit too strong for him. Um, but look, credit to Dublin and David Herity. What they've done this year is great, and there's a, a great buzz around in the county. Well, it's great to see them get the semi final, but with Kilkenny at four to six favourites to win it overall they're probably still on course for a, a double. Yeah, well, look, it's, you know, they proved in the Leinster Championship in the league final that, you know, they're still the, the best team there at the moment anyway. And it's the strength in the panel and the, uh, you know, what the players they to pick from, you know, with Ferran Downey is just, it's brilliant. You know, they've viewed and experienced. They've br- introduced a couple of new girls this year, like Danielle Morrissey. She's the minor captain and she's doing really well in the forwards. And then you've got the likes of Denise Gall, who was player of the year last year and Katie Power in the attack. And then you've the Farrells 
sisters who literally would run up and down the field all day. So Dublin know that they're going to be up against it and they're going to have to really be wary of the Kilkenny attack because I believe that's where the where all the danger is going to be coming. And the other semi-final, Cork and Galway. Cork's probably hurting from that loss to Kilkenny last season. That They'd probably best place to, uh, to challenge them. Um, I'd probably just edge Galway in the semi-final because I suppose, you know, I think they are kind of hurting still from last year. They also lost the league final. They're looking nearly to get a crack at Kilkenny again. Um, look, they still have massive players there, you know, the likes of Orla Cotter and Jem O'Connor. But, you know, at the moment, you know, they haven't breached Corkery and, you know, she's obviously not playing this year. So she's a massive loss to Cork and, you know, she's really the engine in the team. Whereas Galway, I suppose, you know, they they have uh, Mark Dunn this year over him and he's kind of introduced some new girls um, into the setup. And that, that's added to the team. And, you know, Neve Kilkenny midfield is really the, the uh, workhorse of the team. But I still feel that Cork will just edge the game. So that's it for this week on the throw-in. I'd like to thank Colm, Ursula, Vincent and Roy for coming in studio and James you for joining us on the phone. We'll be back later in the week to chat Kerry versus Mayo ahead of this Sunday's All-Ireland Football semi-final. But until then, you can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud or independent.ie. So thanks so much for listening and goodbye.